the Lord be with you. And also with you. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Beloved, we gather to worship Almighty God, to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God. We gather to worship Almighty God. The liturgy, music, and homily this day are offered for our gathered congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or email responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership in our midst, and as the Spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. Today, the work of our Marsh Chapel Choir and Collegium on Bach's B minor Mass concludes under the direction of Scott Allen Jarrett and our Chapel Fellow for conducting Reed Spencer. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray together. Almighty and everlasting God, who in the Paschal mystery established the new covenant of reconciliation, grant that all who have been reborn into the fellowship of Christ's body may show forth in their lives what they profess by their faith. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. A lesson from the first epistle of St. Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that, though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading responsively Psalm 16 with the Antiphon. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a glorious heritage. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. Even at night my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. The Lord is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also dwells secure. For you do not give me up to Sheol or let your faithful ones see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of our gospel.
Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. Glory to you, O Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. <clears throat> and Thomas answered, My Lord and my God. We tend to want rather instant results, rapid feedback, metrically based, positive and solid. These are the sorts of outcomes we prize. And it is altogether fitting and proper that we do and desire so. But in the larger sense, ministry in particular and life in general require a long view. The planting of seeds, the lighting of candles, the casting of empty nets, the waiting and waiting and waiting. It is a long wait to live by faith, hoping against hope and trusting the invisible to vanquish the visible. Easter is the announcement of the victory of the invisible. Thomas, poor Thomas, remembered for his very human desire for the visible, the tangible, the metrically based, positive and solid, verifiable, knowing, picks up the moniker doubting Thomas. Thomas, Logos, Nicodemus, Samaritan woman, Lazarus, paraclete, beloved disciple, 
Thomas, where did all these people, these figures, come from? Not one ever seen or heard in the rest of the New Testament, particularly not in the other Gospels. Whence? The strange world of the Bible is at its strangest in the fourth Gospel. But Thomas is not just the doubter. Thomas alone, Thomas more than any other, Thomas of the Silk Road, Thomas of the so-named Gospel, Thomas of our reading today, Thomas alone, perfectly, summarizes the whole of the fourth Gospel, saying of the crucified and risen one, my Lord and my God. Thomas is not just the doubter. Thomas is the believer, too. The Son of Man is both earthly Lord and heavenly God. So we have some reason to wait, some basis for the long view, some heartfelt humility as we move forward through the ages. To live in faith is to build schools in which you will never study, though your grandchildren might. To live in faith is to start churches in which you will not pray, though your grandchildren might. To live in faith is to plant trees under which you will never take a siesta, though your grandchildren might. Herman Melville worked in a government office most of his life, having written the greatest of novels, Moby Dick, whose popular appreciation came well after Melville's death. Ludwig von Beethoven composed his Ninth Symphony without the capacity to hear it, to hear its beauty, its goodness, its wonder. Daniel Marsh moved this university out to the banks of the Charles River and constructed buildings, including this very chapel later named for him, but did not live long enough, though he lived a very long life, to see just how much Boston University would change and grow. Alastair MacLeod eulogized this week as an author, not in a hurry, who left behind just one novel and just one ample collection of stories all set in Cape Breton, We'll never fully know how meaningful his beautiful prose has been to so many of us. And Johann Sebastian Bach wrote his magnum opus, gathering together over time material older and newer and giving us one of the greatest artistic musical works of all time, perhaps the very greatest, a portion of which we shall hear together in a moment. It is surpassingly beautiful. But Bach never heard the whole B minor mass in his lifetime. Bach never lived to hear the greatest of his works performed. Dear friend, Dr. Jarrett, what Bach did not hear, we shall, at the conclusion of this year's tour de force, this year's celebration of Bach by the Marsh Chapel Choir and Collegium here and there in New York City and in Boston and by radio and internet the world over. What are we about to hear? Well, we come this morning to the fulfillment of a year-long survey and study of Bach's greatest work, the Mass in B minor. Many would even argue the B minor Mass is humanity's greatest work. In this, the final section of the B minor Mass, we hear Bach's Sanctus, Hosanna, Benedictus, Agnus Dei, and of course, the famous Dona Nobis Pacem. 
We hear some of Bach's earliest music, the Sanctus written his first year in Leipzig in 1723, more than 20 years before it found final resting place in the Mass in B minor. Mirroring Isaiah's six-winged seraphim, Bach scores for six voices, the only such instance in his entire output of vocal writing. Cast as a grand and bold exultation at the throne of the Almighty, we have truly entered a musical Holy of Holies. The Ozana that follows surpasses the Sanctus in texture, expanding those same six voices to eight in double chorus, exclaiming their creator's praise in joyful dance-like shouts of Ozana. From the largest complement of voices, Bach next scores for his most intimate in the entirety of the mass with the Benedictus. Only three members of the orchestra accompany the lone tenor voice, today sung by Alex Nishibun. The delicacy of the flute line and the tenderly sung tenor bring us to the humility of the Savior, entering Jerusalem on the donkey, the meek and mild manger, and the ultimate humility of the cross. The Agnus Dei brings us another intimate moment of austere devotion. We are fixed and transformed by Christ on the tree, the emblem of suffering and shame. In the fall, we knelt together in supplication for Bach's Kyrie, a moment of corporate pardon and affirmation of grace. In December, we rejoiced in the nave of Bach's Mass with that great hymn, Gloria in Excelsis Deo. In February, we affirmed our faith at the crossing of word and table with Bach's Nicene Creed. And today, Bach invites us to the high altar, transformed by the Holy of Holies. Emboldened and renewed, we take up the cross, sent forth into the world in an eternal quest for God's peace. Dona nobis pacem. Pacem dona nobis. The greatest work of music of all ages and all peoples. And yet, Bach never heard a performance of the completed B minor mass. Friends, what part of the symphony of your life or mine will be played, enjoyed, celebrated only after you are not able to hear it? What gift of inquiry that causes another an inspiration to vocation? What gift of wealth that endows in perpetuity some form of the good and the true and the beautiful? What gift of progeny that continues a genetic and biological trajectory in life? What gift of institutional, institutionalized improvement that permanently makes this world a better place? What song of yours will others be singing when you are long gone? Marilyn Robinson reminds us of the heart of Easter, the emergence of her own faith in part, and the experience of a Sunday morning so long ago, she writes. One Easter I went with my grandfather to a small Presbyterian church in northern Idaho 
where I heard a sermon on the discrepancies in the gospel accounts of the resurrection. I was a young child, yet I remember that sermon. I can imagine myself that primal Easter restive at my grandfather's elbow, pushing my nickels and dimes of collection money into the tips of my gloves, memorably forbidden to remove my hat. It seems to me I felt God as a presence before I had a name for him. I was aware to the point of alarm of a vast energy of intention all around me and I thought everyone else must also be aware of it. Only in church did I hear experience like mine acknowledged in all those strange narratives read and expounded. That Easter, amen, the preacher said, having blessed my life with such a lovely thing to ponder. And Thomas answered, my Lord and my God. Amen.
Dearly beloved, we remember this morning that Bach gave us God's word, Mozart gave us Bach's God's laughter, and Beethoven gave us God's fire, and God gave us music that we might pray without words. We give thanks this morning to the Marsh Chapel Choir and Collegium under the direction of Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett and Mr. Reed Spencer for their leadership in prayer of us this morning. The peace of the Lord be always with you. We invite you to participate this morning in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew and passing that book along to your neighbor so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. A special word of congratulations this morning to Miss Sarah Moyer, one of our soprano choral scholars, on the profile of her work as a church musician in the Boston Globe magazine this morning. We note that Thursday is the last day of classes for the spring semester of 2014 here at Boston University. Here at Marsh Chapel, we will be hosting a global stress relief day, and let us note that there is a great deal of stress in our globe these days. We do hope you will join us at, uh, from 10 a.m. till 5 p.m. here at Marsh Chapel. The following day, on, uh, or sorry, two days later on Saturday, May 3rd, we will be hosting our annual our study retreat for those of you preparing for final exams, for term papers, and other end of the semester projects. You may wish to contextualize your culminating activity in the context of spiritual practice and shared meals. Please join us on May 3rd and see the Reverend Dr. Robin Olson for more details. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
thou generous God. Create in us generous hearts, we pray, to start, to plant, to build, to move from the age of seeing as believing to the age of believing as seeing. And we are one where we are on the cusp, on the edge of a momentous gift. Grant us the leap of faith and grant us thy peace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. May the sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you. The blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and always. Amen. <laughs>